0: Thanks, Cathy, for that reading. Let's see if this is going to work today. Well, for those who don't know me, my name is Geoff Leader. I'm part of the ministry team here. And today we're going to be looking at the topic of not wasting our lives. So let's uh, pray before we begin, shall we? Our Heavenly Father, we, we do thank you for the gift of your word and for what we can learn of you through your word. We pray, Lord, that you would challenge our hearts, our minds, our very souls in what your spirit wants to say to us this morning. So we ask, Lord, that you would bless this time together. Teach us, instruct us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I wonder if you've ever heard the phrase, life is too precious to waste. Life is too precious to waste. But have you ever wondered how you do that? How do you prevent wasting your life? Well, that's what I want to dive into today and try to look at how that question can be answered. The Bible helps us to answer that question in Ephesians 5, verses 15 to 17. It says, Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity, because the days of evil, because the days are evil. Sorry. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Notice how it says: be careful how you live. Be careful how you how you live. That's the sense of, don't just stumble through life, don't just drift through life. It's saying, know what you are here for, and you are here for a purpose. In other words, be wise, be sensible, and make the most of every opportunity for doing good. We have a purpose for doing good. And then it says, understand what the Lord's will is. In other words, try to understand what God actually wants you to do. Now, if I asked you to be honest, I wonder how many of you would say that, you would, that you'd really like to know what God wants you to do with your life. Do you really know what God wants you to do with your life? And I think I'd be safe in saying that God, most people would like to know the answer to that question. But I also think some people are scared to know what God's will is. Because they're frightened that he may ask just too much of us. Well, today we're going to look at those two, two important questions of life. Firstly, what does God want? And secondly, what does it take? So what does God want from our life, firstly? Now, when we read through the Bible, the answer to this question can be summed up in these words. Very simply, God wants our whole life. God wants our whole life. He wants our entire life. There is, you know, there's not a single verse in the Bible, not one that says that we can be a Christian and live our life any old way we want to. It's just not there. God, you see, God wants all of us. He doesn't want 10 percent of us, He doesn't want 50 percent of us. He doesn't even want 99 percent of us. He wants 100 percent. He wants all of us. Now, God is very clear about this. There's no mystery in it. Look at Romans 6:13. It says, "Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. In other words, we're to give ourselves completely to God, completely to God, since we've been given new life. And we are to use our whole body to do what is right for the glory of God. C.S. Lewis, famous writer, once said, the only thing Christianity cannot be is moderately important. The only thing Christianity cannot be is moderately important. So if it's really true, then it deserves everything we've got. If it's not true, we shouldn't be here right now. The only thing Christianity cannot be is moderately important. It's either all or it's nothing. It's either true, and that should determine the rest of our lives if it is true, or we should just chuck it all in and go and do whatever we want to do. Now, having said that, there are still a lot of people who are trying to just sit on the fence have a bet each way. They say to themselves, well, I don't know what God wants me to do. But take a look at Deuteronomy uh, chapter 10, verses 12 to 13. It says, And now Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you? But to fear the Lord your God, that is to respect, hold in all, to walk in obedience to him, to love him, to serve the Lord your God, It's the important bit, with all your heart and with all your soul and to observe the Lord's commands and decrees that I'm giving you for your own good. It says, with all your heart and with all your soul. In other words, with your whole being. Very important little word in the Bible, all, only three letters, but it's key to understanding what God requires of us. He wants all our heart and all our soul, all our being in other words. But so many people just try to sit on the fence. They say, well, I'll serve God in my spare time. And it's like, you know, you've seen those pie charts. I was going to try and do this, but my graphics don't work on Stuart's computer. So here we go. Imagine a pie chart. And in the pie, you've got your social life. And then you've got your career life. And you may have your sex life. And you know, you've got your family life. And over here, you've got your retirement life. And over here, you've you've got your spiritual life tucked in there as well. But you know, for the Christian believer, that is just totally wrong thinking. You see, God is the whole pie. God is the whole pie. And he wants the whole pie to be under his control. He doesn't want to be pigeonholed and have us say, you know, God, (laughs) well, I'll give you that 10% on Sunday mornings, you know. I'll give you 10% of my life. It doesn't work that way because God wants it all. He wants our whole being. Now, there's a myth out there that says that we can do it all, that we can have it all. We can do what we want and still be God's person, still be a Christian. But you know what? We can't. We have to give it all to God. Have a look at Matthew six twenty four. It says, "No one can serve two masters; either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other." You cannot serve both God and money. Your important word here is "cannot." Jesus doesn't say you should not serve God and money; he says you cannot. Serve God and money. It is impossible to have two number one priorities in your life. You're always going to have a number one, and everything else is going to follow number two, number three, number four, and number five, so on. You can't have two number one priorities. And God says He's not satisfied unless He is number one. Now the reality is is there are a lot of things besides money that can push God out of first place in our life. Our work can push God out of first place. Sports and hobbies can push God out of first place. School or uni work, study can push God out of first place. Dating. Can push God out of first place. Even our own family life can push God out of first place. But God, but God is saying we can't serve Him and serve something else at the same time. You see, He wants it all, He wants to be totally in charge of our life. So, really, the question here is what's going to be the first place in your life? Is what's going to be the number one goal in your life building your career? Is the number one goal in your life raising your family? Is the number one goal in your life going to be saving for retirement? Or even enjoying your retirement? Is the number one goal of your life going to be maintaining your good health and fitness? You see, the problem is all of those things are actually good. In fact, God created them, and God approves of every one of those things, except for them being in first place in our life. God says, "You'll have no other gods before me," and whatever is in first place in your life is actually your god. And any time you have something in your life that's number one and it's not God, you know what that's called? It's called an idol. But God says, I want to be number one in your life before everything else. And you know what? If you do that, if you put God as number one in your life, he will bring everything into right and proper order, in its right and proper place, in the right priority. Now, there was a time when Jesus was walking down the streets of Jerusalem and a man walked up and said, and Jesus said to him, follow me. You know what the guy said? He said, Yeah, Jesus, okay, I'll follow you. But Lord, uh, just first let me go take care of some things. You know, I've got to look after a few things before I can follow you. Now, you know that little phrase there, Lord, let me first? That's a contradiction. You can't say Lord and me first at the same time. If you're saying me first, he's not your Lord. He's not in charge. He's not number one. So you have to decide who's going to be the Lord in your life. Is it you or is it God? Is it going to be God first or me first? Now let me just ask you a very personal question. Where are you saying to God, me first? Where are you saying in your life, me first? Where are you saying God I'll live for you, but let me first find somebody to marry. God, I'll live for you, but first let me finish my education. God, I really want to serve you, but first let me get the kids out of the house or through school and out of the house. God, I'm really going to be on fire for you. I'm going to do it all, but first let me achieve financial independence. Let me first clear the mortgage. Let me first build my career. Let me first finance the kid's education. And God says, if I'm not first, none of this is going to be in the right order. None of this is going to be in the right perspective. You know, one of the greatest challenges we face today as a church is children's birthday parties and playing sport on a Sunday. Jesus told a story to illustrate this point. He said, it's like a man, and some versions have king, who plans a big banquet, and he goes out and invites everybody to come to this wonderful banquet. But some people just began to make excuses. This is in Luke 14. First, first man said, hey, I've just bought a field. And you know, I've got to go and look at it. Very important, please excuse me. And another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen and I really have to go and try them out. And still another one said, Hey, I just got married. (laughs) It's a good enough excuse not to come to the banquet. I've got other things on my mind at the moment. Now, just think about this for a moment. These three guys are invited to a banquet by the king, by a very important person, and it's going to be a fabulous banquet. They are honoured. Well, should it be honoured by the invitation? (coughs) Excuse me. doesn't go well on this thing, does it? But the first man, he uses his wealth as an excuse. He's got other things to do. He's just bought some land and he used to go and check it out. And the second one, well, you look at this two ways. He he uses his work as an excuse. I've got to go and plough my field. You know, the... Yeah, the workload. I've got to do this. I've got better things to do than come to the banquet. Well, you can look at it another way. it's like if you bought a new car and I've just got to go and try it out for the weekend, you know, take it for a good run. And then the third man, he uses his wife as an excuse. um, In the Old Testament times, men were excused from military service for twelve months after they got married, and it has echoes of that. Hey, I've got, I need to go, need to go there. But, <laughs> sorry for <about> that. <laughs> but the question is, the question is, what excuse do you keep giving to God for putting yourself first? Lord, let me do this first. Then I'll be sold out to you. Let me first do this and then I'll be all yours. Let me let you in on a little secret. If you would only put God first in your life, he'll take care of everything else. That's a promise. Have a look at Proverbs 3.6. It says, In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. I like the Living Bible paraphrase, which, uh, which paraphrases his first helpfully as In everything you do, and that's everything, Put God first, and he will direct you and crown your efforts with success. I don't know anybody who doesn't want to be a success. You want to be a success? The Bible tells how. Right there. In everything you do, put God first in your life, and he will crown your efforts with success. I wonder if you've been trying to live a part-time Christian life. The first question of life is, what does God want? What does God want? He wants all of us, completely. And any time we sit on the fence, want to know something? We lose. So if God wants all of us, then what will it mean? What will this mean for us? What will it take to give God everything? What, what does it take not to waste our life? What does it take to become all that God wants us to be? What does it take for us to, le- to achieve our fullest potential? What does it take? Well, I'm going to say it in one word, and it's not a word we like. It's the word discipline. Discipline. In Proverbs 10, 17, it says, whoever heeds discipline shows the way to life. You want to know something? You cannot be a disciple without discipline. The two words go together, disciple and discipline. You cannot be a disciple of Jesus without discipline. Well, what in the world is discipline? Well, let me define it this way. Discipline is delayed gratification. That's all it is delayed gratification. Discipline is doing the difficult now in order to enjoy the benefits later. Now, some of you here I know are incredibly disciplined. Some of you are very disciplined in your work, your career, you plan your day, you're always on time, you're conscientious in your work habits. Some of you are very disciplined in your physical exercise. It's in your routine. If I struggle to do my 10,000 steps a day. But some of you just smash it every day. It's brilliant. You're inspiring. It's, it's in your routine. It's in your schedule. Some of you never miss a TV, a favourite TV show. We're all disciplined in some areas. areas. And the reality is... We are disciplined in the areas that we want to be disciplined. The things that are important are the things that we get done. What if we were as disciplined in having a daily quiet time as we are in never missing a meal? It's a daily time, spending time reading the word of God, seeing what God wants to say to us each day and spending time with him alone in prayer. What if that was our daily discipline? What if we're as disciplined in serving others as we are in getting up and going to work every day? It's amazing how easy so many people can get to work at eight or nine o'clock in the morning but struggle to get to Sunday church at 10am? What if we were as disciplined in, in, in attending church as watching our favourite TV shows? Things that we just never miss. Now there's another word for discipline and this one sits a little better. It's the, wor- it's, it's the word habits. Habits are what you do over and over and over without even thinking. It's a part of you. If it's a habit, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a part of your life. And your whole life is designed, shaped, controlled and developed by your habits. And if you want to change your life, what you have to do is change your habits. Change your habits. In 1 Timothy 4.7, <clears throat> it says... Oops, sorry. Jumped ahead. It says, train yourself to be godly. In other words, spend your time and energy in the exercise of keeping spiritually fit. We're encouraged to exercise our brains, we're encouraged to exercise our bodies, we're encouraged to exercise spiritually. And there are exercises we can do that will keep us spiritually fit. And let me just mention two. One is the discipline of letting go. The discipline of letting go, and that means you let go of some things because you can't keep adding more and more and more things to your schedule, to your program, to your life. And you can't do that without letting go of some other things. In Hebrews 12:1, it says, "Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so often so easily entangles,. Sorry. <clears throat> now there are two things that hold us back spiritually two things that keep us from being all that God wants us to be. One is sin, the breaking of God's commandments. The other is things, things that are not necessarily wrong or even necessary, but they hold us back from reaching our potential in life. And this could be a relationship, an expectation, an activity, a club, a memory, a fear, a job, The Bible says to grow, we must learn to say no. We can't say yes to everything, as much as we'd like to. We have to say no sometimes because we cannot have it all and we cannot do it all. And one of the reasons we have a hard time letting go of activities is that we often tie our identity to them. We tie our identity to them. One of the first things we ask people... when we meet them is, what do you do? Where do you work? Our identity is often tied to our job. But if we are serious about fulfilling our purpose in life, we have to make space for God to be, either, to be the definer of our life. And if we're going to make space for God in our life, we're going to have to cut some stuff out. And perhaps some of it is good stuff, not, not sin, some good stuff. You see, there's always a cost of putting God first in our schedule, but you know something? The rewards are worth it. Now, another discipline I'd like to consider is the discipline of putting first things first. A good example of this is this story of uh, Mary and Martha. I've job to hit this somewhere. Putting first things first. Here we go. Uh, We had that read to us just before in Luke 10. Jesus came to visit their home, but Martha was distracted by many tasks. Mary went and just sat at the feet of Jesus, and Martha wanted Mary to help her in the kitchen. But then Martha complained to Jesus. Listen to what Jesus said to her. Martha, Martha, you were worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one, and Mary has chosen what is better. What's he talking about? Jesus says, if it comes to spending time with me or washing the dishes, there's no question. When it comes down to getting the house ready, fixing the meal or spending time with me because I'm here, Jesus says, there's no doubt about what should happen. So let me ask you, do you find yourself like Mary or do you find yourself like Martha? Do tasks on your to-do list distract you from focusing on God? Is your life so busy you don't have time to stop, even for a short time, to focus on God? You know, in the light of eternity, there's no question what's more important, and that is our time with God. God. Because you know what? Everything else is going to vanish one day. We'll leave it behind. What's going to matter for eternity is our relationship with God. And if we haven't made time for God in the day, then that day has missed its purpose. You know, the best use of our life is to invest it in that which will outlast it. Our relationship with God Matters more than anything else. Philippians 2 13 is helpful here. It says, For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Willing and able. God gives us the desire and then he gives us the willpower. Not by might, not by power, but by Holy Spirit, says the Lord. What am I saying? If you get serious and you make the choice and say, God, there are some things I will cut out of my life in order to make time to develop some new habits so that I might grow closer to you, so that you might have all of me, not just part of me, but all of me. If you just make the choice to let some stuff go, to put some stuff on hold, and to put God number one, put God first, God will help you through his Holy Spirit who works in us and through us. And things will change. Things will transform. And you'll find amazing things happening in your life. But it takes a step of faith and trust in God to do that. It's a risk. But it's a risk worth taking. So what does God want? He wants all of us. Every single part of us. That's what he wants. And what's it going to take to grow? It's going to take discipline. You can't be a disciple and without discipline. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 6.1, we beg you, please, don't squander one bit of this marvellous life that God has given to us. We only have one life. And only what's done for Jesus in this life will last. Nothing else is going to matter. And I'd like to just close by reminding you of the verse we started with. Ephesians 5.15. Make the most of every opportunity you get. God has given us a wonderful opportunity in this life. May I encourage you not to let it pass by. Don't waste your life. Give it all to God. May we pray. Our Heavenly Father, we we thank you for sending Jesus to die for us. Through his death on the cross, we can enjoy life to its full. Lord, help us not to waste our life chasing things that don't ultimately matter. Help us to trust you. To give us the life that you want us to have. Help us to develop habits and disciplines that will foster our relationship with you. Help us to grow closer to you. And Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit may work in our hearts, our minds, our souls to to draw us ever closer to you that we may enjoy your love and fulfil your purposes for us in this life. We ask this in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.